This is a crypto finance podcast. We are holding internal knowledge sessions and publish selected episodes to share our know-how and experience with you. Key derivation. You do know what a key is, right? These car keys, that's not a car key, but the car keys are actually quite close in, in what the cryptocurrency keys will look like. Okay, um, so you have a private key and you have a public key. Let's stick with ECDSA, so with the elliptic curves that are being used in Bitcoin and most other currencies because uh, that makes just talking about it easier, but most of it just applies to different ones as well. The order is you have randomness, right? You, you flip a coin often enough, 192 times, I believe. From that, you can generate the private key. From that, you can generate the public key. From that, you can generate the address. Sorry, what's the last one? The address. The Bitcoin address that typically is one whatever. Uh, these, this address is what you need to communicate to somebody so that he can pay you money. What happens if you want somebody... I mean, this, is, this actually leads to a fairly big problem. How do you communicate this address to your counterparty? Because if you, if you screw that up, right? If, if, you, if you send that via email and you have a problem on your end of, a, of, the, of the system, so you want to copy-paste that, that address into the email, but you have a bug or you have, a, you have a, um, a virus on your system, there are viruses that sit in the clipboard of your Windows machine, and if they see that you copied something which looks like a Bitcoin address, they will replace that by a different Bitcoin address. Whoops, you just communicated an address to somebody else, and if that, that somebody else pays money, pays Bitcoin into that address, it does not actually go to you, it goes to somebody else. Right, so how do you how do you actually communicate an address to somebody else? Yes, Anna. Carrier pigeons. Carrier pigeons. They are <laughs> they are they are one option, and let's stick with that because it's actually a, a good uh, one. Uh, carrier pigeon is mostly um, mostly protected uh, against somebody. I mean, it's not very it's. People can probably read it, right? If you have a good enough telescope, you can read what the carrier pigeon uh, is carrying around. around. And you don't know how that works. It's around the foot and it's folded and you put a metal ring on it. Yes, but, but did, you, did you see uh, Donald Trump just having this piece of paper with the, uh, with the agreement, with the trade agreement with Mexico? That he's been waving around saying to the media, that's a problem, hey, yes. hey, this is this is the, the trade agreement that I that I managed to get with Mexico, and uh, since people did have good cameras while he was doing that, and he did that like with the sun in his back, uh, now the trade agreement is public. Okay. So this, yes, I agree, it's probably not an issue, but so what this what this carrier pigeon does is it's, it makes it very unlikely that somebody modifies your message. Okay. So what happens if you want to receive money from somebody multiple times? What do you do then? Yeah, Bernadette? Carrier pigeon. <laughs> you send a carrier pigeon every time you want to receive the money. <laughs> yes, that's, that's totally an option. I've already run out of carrier pigeons. They come back, it's no problem. <laughs> So you have carrier pigeons there as well. Yes, you ran into a weird debate. Um, Who doesn't have a carrier pigeon? Is that the new scaling solution? Or? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, carrier pigeons. Do you mind 
Um, no, uh, I actually, actually, I thought the first response would be, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, if I give him a Bitcoin address once, he can send me to that Bitcoin address a lot of times. Uh, true that. Um, it's not a good idea due to confidentiality and privacy. You should not reuse addresses, but you can. There is, as of today, until quantum computers are a thing, there is no security harm done in reusing addresses. But if it's the same person, it doesn't matter, right? In the security aspect, or does it? The privacy that. aspect matters. The privacy aspect matters. Exactly the same person, the one that's sending you money. Yeah, but, but yeah, I, I want... You can find patterns more easily. Yeah, I want on the blockchain, on the block, if you look, look only at the public blockchain data, I want it to be invisible there that it's the same person. Yes, it is the same person, but uh, better not show that on the blockchain. Because imagine, imagine you pay me every month a salary, and if it's, you use always the same address, and I use always the same yeah. address, pretty easy to figure out that this is a salary payment and once they got either your or my connection through some other means then it's all public. But for many of us that use exchanges or like exchange-based wallets, it's not as easy to generate a new key. Can you please not on the record tell say tell people that you use exchange-based wallets? Can you please delete that? <laughs> <laughs> so this this session is not going to be published. <laughs> That's for sure. It's not that so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, fair enough. Um, you might want to preserve your privacy, but even if you don't want to preserve your privacy, if you are, say, you, you are not a person, you are an institution. So institution A communicates an address to institution B. Those two institutions exchange funds, but they might want to have a use tag. Right? They might want to have something like, for this is in regards to client A, client B, this is with whatever subject line, not really subject line, but at least a number, a reference number. So this is, all of these are situations when you want, when you wish that it would be possible to only send a carrier pigeon once and then be able to generate a large number of addresses from the thing that you communicated once. So you could, for example, send a carrier pigeon with a piece of paper that has a thousand addresses on them. But first, those thousand addresses are not organized. Second, this is very prone to mistakes. Third, if those thousand addresses run out, you have to start over. So it's better to have a, a unified process for doing that. And this is where key derivation starts. Key derivation is a, is, a, is a way of communicating this address only once to a counterparty, and that counterparty can then generate as many addresses from that as it wants. Right? It's just a deterministic process. Think of it, this is a very bad analogy, but it's one that it gives you something to start. Think of it as a random number generator. So the way that random number generators work on your computer is that you take a seed for the random number generator, you take a piece of proper entropy that you get from, say, the microphone, the, the noise on the microphone jack, or from, the, from, from a timestamp in nanoseconds, and of that, the last three digits, or whatever. Uh, you, you take really something which, which is random. Uh, you don't want to do that uh, for each random number. Uh, if you use a lot of random numbers, then there are functions that allow you to use this, this initial seed to generate a sequence of random numbers. Right? One very simple way of doing this would be you generate one seed once, say 5,000. This is not the seed that I came up with. Also tells you why humans are bad random number generators. And then the random numbers that I use would be the hash of 5000, the hash of 5001, the hash of 5002. Those random numbers that are generated that way are um, 
totally unlinkable to each other, are, uh, are, are very good for, for all practical intents and purposes. Nice thing is, just by knowing this seed, just by knowing I started off with 5000, I can regenerate the same sequence of random numbers again. I just have to store this 5000. This is where I started. Another one would be, say, uh, at, which, at which decimal of pi do you start? And then you use these decimals uh, following that as your random numbers. So there are, there are plenty of options of how to do this. Um, but this is how from, from a single seed, you can generate a sequence of random numbers, and by that also a sequence of keys or addresses in that case. The nice thing of the key derivation in Bitcoin that you do, that has been introduced in BIP32, is, is a bit different um, because it allows you to generate private keys and public keys independently of each other. So if I want to, uh, no, the example has to be the other way around. If Bernadette wants to communicate to me it, um, a starting point, point for public keys, and I'm supposed to be able to generate the, the, the public key and the addresses myself, and she should generate the private keys herself, uh, that's easily possible. She can generate randomness from that, something that we would then call an extended private key. From that extended private key, she, she can generate the extended public key, give this extended public key to me or then we can synchronize synchronize like synchronize synchronize yeah but synchronize your thing of doing something at the same time doing it in the same fashion right so she now has her extended private key i have my extended public key and then we would communicate by phone say let's use key number five today right this can be public communication there is no there is no 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 confidentiality in that but she would, from her extended private key, generate something. I would, from my extended public key, generate something. And the magic of, of cryptography is that my public key is actually the exact same public key that if I would take her private key and from that generate the corresponding public key. Right, so, so typically um, what you would assume you have to do um, is the gen she generates a sequence of randomness from that sequence of randomness a sequence of private keys and corresponding public keys and communicate them to me this is not how it works it literally works by giving me something so that we can generate synchronously but uh, she does it simultaneously simultaneously yes but what does she share with you that you know uh, what public key to, gener to generate? Because I don't think it's uh, this extended private key. Uh, no, you, you communicate the extended public key. No. Ah. And the extended public key, and I cannot go into the cryptography, but I think there is no, no much not much use in doing that. Uh, it's literally just the private slash public key in addition with another thing called the chain code, which tells you how to derive starting from that point. And from then on, it's, it's, it's cryptography on the elliptic curves that, that enable to do that. So, but I can still just every time do a Diffie-Hellman key exchange and then at the same point? Uh, well, there are two differences. One, it's, it's um, there are a few differences. One, Diffie-Hellman is interactive. Yes, so that needs to be given, that's true. I, I would have to, to participate in order for, for that. Um, Second is uh, you would also need to you would still need to generate the private keys. Mm -hmm. right? Well, um, I will come to that a bit later. But one of the nice things of this whole concept is also since Bernadette generated 
billions of private keys from one seed, it can at the same time be used as storing one piece of information, which is, I believe, something like less than 256 bits. So it's fairly short. You can write it on a piece of paper. So she has to generate that once, and that uh, solves the backup problem until all eternity. Right? You, if, you, if you lose all your hard drive, you could regenerate the sequence of keys again. So there is, this is also something that you don't have in a Diffie Hellman. It, yes, you, you still definitely. generate new things. On the other hand, then, um, if you just need this one number, you if this one is compromised, you're basically done. This is like the master yes. key. It's like pro and con. Uh, master key is, a, is an ill-defined word in cryptography because it's used in so many ways, but I will, I will come to that in a second. So I now use the example of, of two parties communicating. Let's shift perspective slightly and, and look at how, are, how is this key derivation literally being used in, in a software wallet, in Electrum, or also in a hardware wallet, say the Ledger or the Trezor? All of them use this concept uh, for that particular reason. Right? If you have a, a, a Trezor, um, the space is very, very limited. So they use this as, as some sort of, you only have to store one secret, uh, and everything else happens on the fly. Let's stick with the software wallet for now, Electrum. How do they do it? If you have your secret in there, Electrum will generate the next, the first 20 addresses for you. Right? So it will show you in the UI, these are your next 20 addresses. If you generate a new one, those 20 are all empty. If you then use address number five, um, Electrum will notice, okay, number five has been used. So it will generate addresses 21, 22, 23, 24, so that you at each time, at each point in time, you have consecutive 20 unused addresses in your wallet, just shown to you. They do this so that, because if I, I can also on my own, Electrum will not do that for me, but I can on my own generate the hundreds address and pay money into that hundreds address, Electrum will not see that, right? It will not show that as your balance, because where do you draw the line? If you say, I, I observe, I, I monitor the next hundred, and then I will take the thousandth address and will put money there, and that's it. Electrum will not see this. But so, just to get this right, so originally they will generate those twenty some for you, right? Yes. And then afterwards, is it are you able to generate more? How does it work? The following: Say I take these twenty some on each one, I have zero point zero zero one. Yes, it will just generate new ones so that you always have twenty empty ones. Okay. 20 consecutive empty ones. Consecutive. Yeah, if you, if, you, if you decide to skip the first 10, yes. put money on the 11th, um, then they will not generate the 21st, because would, which would mean you have 20 empty ones, yes. but they would um, generate 21 through 31, so that you have 20 consecutive empty ones, 12 to 31. 12 to 31, okay. Yeah. Reason for this is that if you ever have to wipe your electron, if you if you lose your hard drive, and you regenerate your you, you regenerate your your secret from backup, electron looks at the blockchain. Are there is there a history for address number one? Yes. Okay. Is there a history for address two? No. 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 Until eleven, there is history for eleven. Then it knows. Okay. I have to generate until 31. And if it ever encounters 20 unused addresses, then it knows I do not have to look any further. 
Right, so that's this top condition. Ah, okay, okay. Yes? All the services are, are deterministic in the end, so... Yes, it's if all deterministic. If has the extended public key, she can generate Alice number 30 as well? Yes. Okay, so she could actually send money to a random address of yours that is number 80, and you will never realize that you've got it. I might realize that in five years' time, if I, if I, if I so uh, inch my way to, time, to that, yes. But so, uh, when you were giving that example of you and Bernie making the transaction, she also has to be informed what number it is if she's using Electra. I don't understand that sentence. What if she generates? She generates, you gave the example of 12 to 31, right? Yeah. The 11 to 31 basis. She generated for, for her side, where, where she knew she generated number 35. So you would not know that until the next time you add the additional Yeah, this is why, I mean, in, in the beginning I said, uh, Berna and me can just communicate and say, she tells me, hey, I sent money to address number 200, and then I know where to look. Right, that's 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 fine. From uh, but now I'm talking about somewhat what are conventions, and conventions are not that you use number two hundred out of nothing. Uh, conventions are that you use it consecutive enough. Right. The most recently generated one. The what? Most recently generated one. What does that mean? How do you? How do I know which one generate did Bernadette generate when? I sent 700 invoices in between, yes. so it couldn't be number 800, or maybe it's only number 3. Maybe, maybe I sent out uh, 20 invoices to, to, to you guys um, to pay me for lunch, but all of you ignore me, and only Berners pays as, as number 21, um, then actually Electrum might screw that up. Mm. Right. So there, there is a, this is, this is more a be aware of what's going on under the hood type of thing. Um, right. But it's usually you don't have to worry about that. And this is also, at least within Electrum, it's configurable. You can um, say, please observe uh, like always the next 50 and not always the next 20. But it's mm. just as an industry standard. How easy is this to hack then? If I was to find out what the secret was, then I'm just generating, I know what's being generated. If you know what the secret was, you have full access to all derived addresses. Full access as in take whatever you want. By getting that secret, yes. Yeah. Does like that transmission on the internet, right? If you have the middleman or not? It's true, but you only have to. Then both of you have the keys, then both of you have access, but nobody in between does. But in this case, no. But only only one has the secret. Yes. Yes. Which is why I said we. What we gain is we have to do this carrier pigeon only once. Afterwards. She can tell me, hey, I'm using now, or I can tell her, please, please transfer funds to address number 200. Wait, and if somebody, if somebody uh, compromises that communication, he can change that to, hey, please use number 400. Hey, I don't care. Like these funds might be misplaced. They are not lost. They are still mine and nobody else's. How is Bernadette generating simultaneously? If she doesn't have, so you have the secret, right? You're saying you haven't given that to you never handle that secret. Never handle secrets. How is Bernadette also coming up with the same? Well, I generate from the extended private key. She generates from the extended public key. Actually, we do exactly the same cryptographic operation, but from a different starting point, we end up at different and at different points. She ends up with the public key, I end up with the private key. So even if I, who have only has the public key, get compromised because you, you break just, into my wallet, then you find you in my extended 
public key that which I used to send him money, but then you can see where the money goes, but I, you I cannot spend it. Yeah. So worst compromise is confidence is, is privacy. privacy. Yeah. What not security. Happens? The second one that I was going to talk about, hierarchical generation. Um, I simplified it a lot because typically Bernadette would not tell me, please use address number 200. She would <coughs> tell me, please use address number 44 prime, zero prime, zero prime, zero five. That's a key derivation path. So instead of just saying, I want number 100, this you can imagine this more as a uh, having your folders in, in the Windows Explorer, where you have C uh, as, the, as the root, that would be your either your extended private key or your extended public key, depending on where you are. And then you can build a, a hierarchy of folders with, with nested, uh, nested hierarchy. So even if, if you would look at the first billion of these addresses, that's by far not enough if you, if you do that. Actually, some of the some of the software wallets, at least, I'm not sure how popular that is. Otherwise, is um, that in addition to your secret, uh, in addition to the root, you also make the derivation path um, secret. So, so it's hierarchical, and there are two different ways. I mentioned now 44 prime, or zero prime, and I said zero as part of this path. Now uh, there are hardened and unhardened. Uh, derivation. The hardened is the one with prime. Hardened just means, um, I mean, this is hierarchical in the way that, say, you have the CEO, right? You have Jan. So, and the idea is now that that Jan can see everything. He, he might not even have the private. Let's not let's not go, go there. But he has the extended public key for for the whole company. From that, he derives folder one, folder two, folder three and gives those extended public keys to, to Stain and keeps one for himself for fun. Then, then those people can see everything that happens underneath them, but they cannot see what happens in the other one. That's how, how key derivation works, this hierarchical derivation works in general. You can always derive down, but you cannot derive up. So this would be key derivation, the unhardened key derivation, that from the public key you can derive down. Um, the hardened key derivation does not only require the, the public key, it also requires the private key. So with, with the hardened one, you cannot derive down even if you have the, the extended public key. You can only derive down if you have the extended private key. Right, and this is, this is I do not want to go too much into detail, this is maybe not that important. It's just the way, for example, if, if you're now um, for an organization, it makes it makes way more sense, right? Because you yes. want your client not to know what you have overall, but you want them to still know, be able to determine the address. And if they're paying out to stay, they don't want to see where you don't want them to see, or rather, what's been paid out to you before, right? Yes, but that you could also get by uh, getting by 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 staying only having the public key of his folder. Then you would also not see what happens up. Yeah, it, it gets a bit more relevant because these extended public keys are somewhat considered public, right? And it's now telling somebody this is called an extended public key, but you still don't want to give that to somebody because then this would violate confidentiality for all your clients until, uh, until uh, all, all eternity. And this is literally not what you want to do. So if this is a private operation deriving a new hardened 
folder, then this should also involve the private key. So Which again means that you have to communicate the public key every time for every invoice. Yes, yes. Um, this is why BIP44 came along. BIP44 is uh, in this uh, endless opportunity of hardened or non-hardened derivation is giving you standards. These are the things that we should use. So you have your seed, and if you follow BIP44 standard, which is of course not enforced, but highly recommended, and actually we do that at, at storage, we enforce it there, the, the derivation path will always be 44 prime in order to indicate that, yes, I am following the BIP44 standards, then zero prime, where, zero, where this one is for the currency, zero for Bitcoin, and so on and so forth. This is really just if you if you derive all your addresses for all your currencies from one from only one secret in total, that there is no clash between different um, currencies. So you have your currency code. Then typically zero prime again. This is an account number, so you can have uh, infinite number of account numbers, right? You if you are a bank, you can for example decide I, I literally put the the client number in there, hardened. So for each client that you want to um, serve in that, yes, you have to do the carrier pigeon once per each client so to communicate this, this extended public, but that's it. And then after that is zero or one. That's typically not hardened. Uh, and zero is for pay-in pay in addresses and one is for change addresses. And then you get this, this number, this where I said it, it will always look at the first 20. So this one that I've been discussing the whole time up to now is only the very last element of the hierarchy of 44 prime, zero prime, zero prime, zero index. Okay, that's BIP 44. Let me maybe come to BIP 39 um, because that's kind of popular even though I don't really like it, which is now we talked about um, you have this secret and this secret is a full backup of all that you did. Yes, in addition to that secret, you also need to keep track of which paths did I use, right? So if, if a bank, for example, loses all of it, the client would need to come to the bank and tell it, hey, by the way, my client ID is this number, because otherwise they, they, they might just not know that under this derivation path, there are funds which they have control over. It, it easily becomes a confusing um, situation, but but there is like the, the secret part of it and the public part of it. The secret part is the secret and the public part is which derivation has been used. That's public as in privacy concerned. So this seed is short enough that you can, so you can literally store not only your money in your head with cryptocurrencies, you can also store your full financial history in your head with cryptocurrencies. The way that you do this is typically by 12 or 24 words. These words are English language words. There is a dictionary of 2048 words. You choose 12 of them. You do not choose them because humans are horrible random number generators. You have a computer choose them for you. Uh, you have a good random number generator choose them for you. And then you just have to remember 12 words. The seed to this hierarchical derivation. And that's enough for, for a full backup of everything that follows after. Is, is BIP39 12 words with 24 or both? 
Uh, actually, honestly, I don't know. Does 12 words. Yes, yes, 12 words was popular before and 12 words is enough for private keys, right? For, I mean, if you have 12 words that are each chosen out of 2048 words, then you have 2048 to the power of 12. Uh, 2048 is 2 to the power of 11. So you have 2 to the power of 11 to the power of 12. That's 11 times 12, what's that? You're, you're not factoring that order also doesn't matter. That no, yeah, well, I did. It's a permutation, did you? Well, yes, you 2 to the power of. Okay. Um, actually, so that's that's plenty enough. So, um, from this 12 or 24 words, uh, what uh, does Ledger do? These 12 words are a way of backing up. So, Electrum, for example, if you generate a wallet there, it will generate that just on your hard drive, but also give you the 12 words as a backup. Uh, Ledger, Trezor do exactly the same thing. They have a random number generator that they ran, they generate the seed, and the the twelve words are just a human rememberable representation of this number. So what they do is, if you if you feed it in, so if you get an empty ledger and you uh, you, you feed these twelve words in, you enter them there. Uh, that's the same thing as as entering uh, your hundred ninety two coin flips. It's just a, more convenient. So that's verbatim uh, your seat. And does this uh, hardware measures they have uh, a reason, a random number generator, uh, some device inside, or is yeah, what kind of they use? Pseudo random the, the, the ledger or the trezor? Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the trezor, the for example, has an STM32. Um, that's a <coughs> reasonable random number generator. So they have uh, just one seat for uh, each cryptocurrency? No, so one in total. Mm -hmm. But uh, you mentioned that most of the cryptocurrency used using this LT curve uh, uh, later generation public key from the private key, but uh, other some which, uh, that aren't using it? Well, there is IOTA, for example. Um, I'm not sure Ledger, I think, supports IOTA now. There they do it slightly differently. There it's it's really what I described in the beginning that they use it as the seed for a deterministic random number generator. What you lose there is the possibility to generate the, the public keys independently of this. So for uh, there you would you would get back to one carrier picture per transaction, right? You you you, you have, don't have this parallel parallel. So that was you don't have this parallel um, uh, derivation. You don't have the parallel um, derivation, but apart from that, it's it's a it's a seeding of a, of a deterministic random number generator. It's fine. How is key derivation talked about by forks? By forks, it doesn't really matter. Neither um, neither forwards nor backwards are in any way relevant to that. Of course, when when Bitcoin Cash, for example, happened, uh, there was potentially a clash in the addresses that are generated for Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin. So somebody had to give way to the other one, which is Bitcoin Cash, which is now on uh, on currency um, ID 186, if I remember correctly. So it's 44 prime, 186 prime, zero prime, zero zero for your first Bitcoin Cash address. Um, but this is, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure if this would have been more more widespread knowledge, who gets the zero would have been a, a weird point of contention. 
but nobody knows that and it's not exposed to any any user at any time during any process so nobody cares when something like segwit happened which came with its own address format that you want to make sure that you do not use the same private public key pair for both a legacy address and a segwit address so that also got its, its own code i actually don't know what the code for segwit is but it's just some number right it's it's nobody cares it's somebody Somebody has a register of all these numbers, and that's about it. There is no no fight about this. Yeah. Are there any further questions? Thank you very much. This episode was brought to you by Crypto Finance. We are happy to receive comments and feedback. Email your thoughts to research at cryptofinance.ch.